Hello, Zip. And welcome to We See Saw, a Saw rewatch podcast where we see Saw. I'm Claudia. And I'm Nicole. And today we are talking about Spiral from the Book of Saw 2021, directed by the returning Darren Lynn Bowsman, who I would like Ooh. to apologize for pronouncing his name wrong. Uh-oh. And written by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger with additional story by Chris Rock. Nicole, what did you think of Spiral? I kind of dug it. Dude, Spiral kind of rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a Saw film, really. No. It's seven. Yeah. Okay, you jokingly suggested last time that this was <laughs> going to be a buddy cop film. And in the first, like, 15 or 20 minutes of this movie, I was like, I cannot believe Nicole accurately pegged that this movie is a buddy <laughs> cop film. <laughs> I was just like, Chris Rock, he's a comedian. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, how are they going to cast a comedian as like the lead for this movie? You know why he's in it? I just saw. Yeah, I went and watched the special features as well. Oh. Chris Rock is a huge Saw fan and wanted to be in a Saw movie. He met one of the like the Lionsgate producers or something at a party. And apparently the two guys who wrote this movie and wrote Jigsaw as well they were writing what was essentially Jigsaw 2. And one of their producers called them up and was like, drop everything, Chris Rock wants to be in a Saw movie. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Rock said that he wanted to make 48 Hours Meet 7, which I think he very successfully helped make. Mm -hmm. And one of the producers straight up admits, it's not a Saw movie. No. <laughs> it has traps. It has references to John Kramer. It has a twist. It has Hello Zep, but it's not really a Saw movie. Nah. It was kind of refreshing. Yeah. I don't know. Just it being Saw adjacent, I really liked. I just think it's so funny. And I guess it is because Chris Rock came in and they're like, drop everything. But it's like, it's just so disjointed from the last movie. <laughs> And it just makes me wonder even more what the hell Saw 10 is going to be about. Yeah. Like, are they going to tie this in? And Jigsaw, is it going to be another soft reboot? What's going on? My theory is it's going to be that Jigsaw 2 script. That's what I'm thinking now that you mentioned that. Yeah. I did hear that Saw 10 is going to take place between Saws 1 and 3. And they were saying that what Jigsaw 2 was going to be about was essentially a John Kramer origin story because we don't have enough of those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How many backstories does Sean have now? Like 11. They're all the same backstory, but like <laughs> every other movie, they're like, let me tell you how I got these scars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I actually have more trauma. Let me tell you about it. Oh, mood, me, me at my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you thought that was it? Think again. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure being kidnapped here is going to go right on to there. Well, <laughs> Man, I hope she hasn't dropped me as a client. Nah. If she has, she's going to feel real silly when she finds out I've been kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say one more small thing about the production of this movie. The editor, Dev Singh, he actually worked on one of my favorite sitcoms, of all time, really. He worked on People of Earth. He was the editor for that show. Ah. I fucking love that show. And I was watching the special features and he was like, I've actually worked in comedy before. I was editor on this little sitcom, People of Earth. I was like, yo, <laughs> I love People of Earth. That's so fun. Rip and peace, People of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard of it until this moment. It's about a support group for people who've been abducted by aliens. 
oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And it turns out they have all actually been abducted by aliens. Oh. <laughs> so, Nicole, let's get into Spiral. Let's get into it. So we open on a carnival. Fourth of July. We did it. Fourth of July. Which, fun fact here... The opening scenes were filmed at a fairground in Toronto where they thought they had permission, but they did not. Uh, so they were kicked out by authorities. Oh, no. But Darren Bowsman and his team managed to steal these shots. <laughs> I'm glad they got enough shots. I mean, it looks fine. Yeah. But yeah, so we opened up on this little little fair festival for Fourth of July. And what is it? It's like there's like a purse snatcher. Yeah. Yeah. The second of the films by this writing team that have a purse snatcher in them. Yeah. One right after the other. Come on, are you running out of, out of ideas? <laughs> <laughs> so Detective Boz is there and chases after the perp who like absconds into the freaking sewers or something. Oh, no, it looks like it looks like a sewer drain. But no, it's actually it, it actually leads into the subway. I guess I didn't process that it led into the- I thought maybe he got kidnapped and then brought to the subway. I have like no idea how this worked, but it was like a manhole and it led to- Because it looked too dry for a sewer. So mm. I think it was probably like a service entrance to the subway. Sure. I don't know how it works in Metropolitan City. Uh- <laughs> yeah, we do have a somewhat canonical name for the city now, Metro City. Yeah, so you call it Metro. Good old city city. Yep. So Detective Boss follows the perp down there and gets ambushed. Gets knocked the fuck out by somebody in a pig mask. <gasps> a very different looking pig mask, I must note. Yeah. It's not the same pig mask that John Kramer used. Yeah. Different pig mask. Still creepy, though. Yeah. I was honestly more creeped out by the fact that it was a different pig mask. I was like, yeah. who is that? <laughs> right? Oh, no. And then another thing that weirded me out was the voice on the first, well, on all the recordings. Yeah. I thought we were going to get another girl boss as our killer. Yeah. Because the voice is like distinctly feminine. Yeah. Yeah. It was like real creepy. Mm hmm. Like far creepier than I think I've ever found any of Jigsaw's recordings. Yeah. We cut to Detective Boz. He's in the subway. He's on the tracks and he's standing on this platform and his tongue is trapped in this vice. Basically, the way to get out of this trap is to fall from the platform and then his body weight will be enough to rip out his tongue, which. Ugh. Honestly, it oh, it's so like squicky, <laughs> but like really good, to be honest. Really good. Nicole, off the top, what did you think about the traps? I kind of dug the traps a lot more than the last movie. <laughs> the traps are largely pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were very like poetic. So this one, he had a record of lying on the stand more than anybody else. So it's like, oh, you know, remove his tongue. Yep. It's so simple. So effective. So cool. The best traps are simple. Honestly, yeah. Mm -hmm. John Kramer says it and then proceeds to make a trap that's really not that simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he has to make a choice before the subway comes in. I think it was three minutes. What I noticed in this movie, we usually see whenever a victim is stuck in a trap, it's kind of like they're like freaking out too much to actually do anything mm -hmm. and then end up like dying. But this time, two of our victims actually got out of the trap it just wasn't in time yeah they like really tried it 
Yeah, because like Boz, for example, sees the subway train coming, does rip his tongue out, but it's too late at that point, and then gets hit by the subway, just fucking obliterated. Oh my god, it was it was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. Like <laughs> I mean, like blood and guts all over the windshield of this train. Real fucked up. The poor driver. For real. So R.I.P. Detective Boz. R.I.P. Boz. Oh, yeah. So they wanted to film this in the subway tunnel, but Darren Lynn Bowsen was told that that wasn't in the budget. So (laughs) eventually they ended up building a subway tunnel and used forced perspective to make things look bigger than they actually were. Good job. I believed it. Right? He had to like hold his ground to get this done. So good for him. Darren Lynn Bowsen always getting it done. Mm hmm. Missed him. So we cut to Chris Rock, who is in a hotel room, I guess. Yeah, something like that. With a bunch of people. And they're talking about robbing somebody. Or no, they're, they're, no he's, he's just talking nonsense. They're talking about Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about Forrest Gump and how they wouldn't be able to make that movie today because of like political correctness. I think he says it's because the movie is about special needs abuse. More or less, which is not an uncommon modern read of Forrest Gump. Yeah, talking about how Jenny like slept with him and then like gave him AIDS and shit. And like this bitch was so manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, I never expected to hear the word woke in a Saw movie. Was not thrilled about that. I don't know. Considering we heard toxic. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's true. what was the other one? Talk. He didn't call her a thought. Alpha male. <laughs> Alpha male. In one of the Saw movies, I, I'm not surprised it didn't phase me. <laughs> That's fair. Also, Chris Rock drops the arsler in this scene, but I he does it in a way where he's saying, like, you can't say that. We're trying to be respectful. So I kind of, mm-hmm. I'm kind of whatever about it. Yeah. So yeah, so my note here was like, oh, I thought Chris Rock was going to be a cop, but nah, he's robbing people. Oh, JK, guess he was undercover. (laughs) Yeah, I also wrote, I can't take Chris Rock seriously as a criminal. And then, ah, he's an undercover cop. (laughs) So I guess he was doing this all on his own. And that's because uh, he can't trust anyone on the force. And it's like, oh, why can't he trust anyone on the force? Yeah. Hmm, I wonder. I mean, he does say pretty much right away that he turned in a dirty cop and got shot in the back for it. Which is fucking nuts. Too real. (laughs) Yeah, yep. And we do get flashbacks to it over the course of the movie. Do you want to just cover it now? Yeah, let's cover it now. I mean, there's no reason to space it up. Yeah, so Chris Rock plays... Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Zeke Banks. Yes. So Zeke and his partner, Peter go out to respond to this call and we see Peter talking to this man standing in like the doorway of his apartment. And the man says that he saw a cop. What did he, what did he see the cop do? Just something bad. Do they say exactly what? I don't think they do. I think he, they said he threw somebody off a roof. I might be making that up though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And then he said something along the lines of like, this guy has had his foot on the neck of the community for too long. And Peter says, can you testify to that? Can you like point this man out? And the man says, yeah. And so Peter just whips out his gun and shoots the guy and then plants a gun near him. So Zeke comes up and he says, what the fuck happened? And Peter says he pulled a gun on me, which... Chris Rock immediately does not buy. <laughs> yeah. Zeke turns him in. And as a result, 
everyone at the precinct turns on him because he's, quote, a rat. And so there was one time where he was solo out on, I almost said a mission. <laughs> he was somewhere alone and he called for backup three times within eight minutes and no one responded. They were literally like, fuck this guy. Yeah. And he ended up getting shot in the back. Yep. Which, goddamn. Yeah, I mean, that is what happens to cops who report cops who are doing wrong. And for this to come out in 2021 also, mm -hmm. shit hits harder. A little bit ahead of its time, I gotta say. I mean, cops have been doing this shit forever, but like, because this movie was originally supposed to come out in May 2020. Mm -hmm. Oh, and wow. And like the real discussion was George Floyd in June 2020. Mm -hmm. I mean, this got delayed till 2021, but still, it's like... I feel that's an interesting thing to be talking about before the world is talking about it. Yeah, but oh boy. And yeah, just seeing the whole precinct turn against him because mm -hmm. that's really what happens. Yep. And that's why a lot of people don't say anything. It's like this fucking corrupt ass solidarity. Mm-hmm. Wild. Oh, also Chris Rock's dad was the former chief of police. Also, he's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> so former chief Marcus Banks shows up on scene. Well, he's chief at the time, shows up on scene. And he's like, who was closest here? Why didn't you respond to the call? He's like, I'm going to figure out who it was. And then I'm going to fucking shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds out that it's this guy named Fitch, who's a fucking asshole. Huge asshole. Huge asshole. And like just punches him right in the face, which well-deserved. Well-deserved. And I think that's why he had to step down as chief or why he got fired okay that makes sense my brain skimmed over that part but that does make sense yeah the way they phrase it it didn't seem like it was willingly really like he wasn't planning on this mm -hmm. but he did assault an officer it was warranted but <laughs> he assaulted an officer yeah so the current chief of police angie garza she gives chris rock a fucking chewing out <laughs> of his life She's like, why did you go out undercover unauthorized and by yourself? And he's like, because there's nobody on the force I can fucking trust. Basically, as a result, she's going to give him a partner and a rookie partner at that. So we meet his new partner, rookie detective William Shank. What do you think of William Shank? I thought he was a cutie. Yeah, I like William Shank a lot. Yeah, I liked him. He was adorable. This is when it gets like buddy cop. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's happening? I literally wrote, I can't believe this is actually a buddy cop movie. They have pretty good chemistry, TVH. Yeah. Yeah, like, I enjoyed watching them together. I mean, we have this, like, rookie who's just doing his best, and then Chris Rock, who's very jaded after everything he's been through. Yeah. Good dynamic to watch. Yeah, exactly. But they are called to the crime scene of the subway accident. They aren't able to determine who it is. They're like, oh, it's just some some homeless guy, you know, got hit by a fucking train. But then Chris Rock, I like how we're just calling him Chris Rock because that's, that's who he is. <laughs> yeah. Chris Rock says, well, I don't know what kind of homeless person has a wedding ring and also a Fitbit. Do you think Fitbit paid for that? Probably. What an odd thing to pay for. <laughs> Hey, can you make sure that your crooked cop who gets murdered is wearing a Fitbit? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because you know how, like, apparently it's a thing where Apple doesn't want villains to use their products? Yeah. Fitbit's owned by Google. Oh. So it's okay if they have bad guys using their products. You know, get that coin. Yeah, exactly. 
or spend that coin, get that <laughs> publicity. I don't know. Exactly. So Chris Rock is later back at the precinct to see Zeke Banks. I, I should say we should mm-hmm. maybe use his character's name. I mean, we don't call Carrie Elwes Carrie Elwes the whole time. That's true. But it's like, I can't not see Chris Rock. It's true. This is his first role in a horror film. I kind of admire it. Yeah. I like that he was a big fan and they were like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> yeah. In the interview, he was like, you know, I like the gore. I like the horror. I like the story. Mm-hmm. I like that he specifically says that he likes the gore. Bless his heart. So back at the precinct, Zeke receives a package and inside the package is a USB drive. And there is a video from this killer, this jigsaw copycat. You see a spiral spray painted on the side of a building. And the video says that this killer wants to reform the Metro Police. Good for him. Good for him. Honestly, this killer is kind of (laughs) based. Yeah. So Zeke recognizes where the spiral is at. It's at the courthouse. And they go down there and they find another package. And inside the package is Boz's tongue and his badge, which is how they end up positively IDing the corpse as Boz. Oof. Big oof. Also, they say, is this another Jigsaw copycat? So I'm curious what other Jigsaw copycat they're thinking of. Do they think of Halloran from the last movie? Do they think of Mark Hoffman? Do they think of Amanda? Maybe they think of all of them. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah. It's like, damn, just another one to add to this already long list. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm sure there are more, you know? Yeah, that's true. But we find out also that Boz was Zeke's friend. You know, their kids have played together. They've had dinner at each other's houses. Their wives were friends. It's a personal loss. And so when he isn't assigned the case, he does get into it with Garza and eventually does get assigned the case. At the precinct, they start putting together a conspiracy board Mm -hmm. of like what's been going on, tracing Boz's steps that night. Also, I gotta say, they have pictures of John Kramer up there. They're gonna use Tobin Bell's likeness, but they're not gonna hire him for this movie. He's gonna be in the next one for sure, because it's an actual Saw movie. Yeah. With this one, I'm I'm kind of like, you know, Shrek 2 voice, they don't even have Tobin Bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of this as more of a spinoff than anything, yeah. so I'm like, ah, you, know, you don't really need him here. I'm willing to let it go, but I feel like it would be doing a disservice to the man to not mention it. <laughs> Yeah, the legend. One of the officers, Fitch, he looks through some security camera footage and he sees that Boz was chasing this known meth addict and general criminal, Benny. Benny probably has a last name, but it does not matter. Just Benny. Just Benny. But Benny and the Jets. Fitch goes to try and find Benny at this place where he usually crashes when he's high on meth. And he goes up to what he thinks is Benny laying on a mattress. And he uncovers the blanket. It's just a pig mask in there. And then he gets McFreakin' kidnapped. Oh, so before we like move forward also, I do want to point out that they go and check out this like pawn shop or something before he gets kidnapped. I guess the excuse is to check their surveillance tapes because they're in the area. Yeah. Fitch, like, steals a gun where he tells a shop owner, hey, let me see that. And and he gets a gun. He says, on behalf of Metro PD, thank you for your donation. So this man was fully planning on killing somebody 
with an unregistered weapon. Hmm. Bastard. I didn't even think about it that way. That is very correct. Mm -hmm. He's a piece of shit. So Fitch's trap, I'm going to call it the waters of justice because that's what our jigsaw copycat. Mr. Spiral, that's what Mr. Spiral calls it. Also, I do have uh, that he gets McFucking kidnapped. So I thought it was very funny that you said something similar. Uh, One brain cell. (laughs) Fitch is in a shallow pool of water. All 10 of his fingers are in basically like Chinese finger traps Mm -hmm. that are like all wired up to a motor. And he has like a device strapped to his head and in his mouth. He's told that because of this one time where he shot an innocent person just for insulting him in like a routine pulling over of somebody, I think. A kid. Someone says he's a kid later on in the movie. Jesus. So I'm assuming it's like a teenager. Yeah. Real fucked up. Yep. He has to make sure that that can never happen ever again. He needs to bite down continuously on his little headgear, which will start a motor that will pull all of his fingers off. And he needs to do that in a specific amount of time while the water level in the pool that he's sitting in rises before it touches these copper wires that will electrocute and kill him. Oh my god. And he doesn't. Goodbye, Fitch. My note here is R.I.P. Fitch's fingers. Next point. Oh, he did. Skull emoji. (laughs) Yeah. And then we go back to the precinct. Zeke gets another video from Mr. Spiral, and he's apparently a pretty talented marionettist, I must say. I loved this pig puppet. What a good take on Billy. For real. Also, it has a name. It's called Mr. Snuggles. (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) There was no puppet in the original script, but Darren Lynn Bowsman, King, King, insisted on its return in some form. The result was Mr. Snuggles, the marionette pig cop. And it ties in at the end, too. Really well at the end. Yeah. (laughs) So Mr. Spiral has left a little video of his little puppet show in front of this truck with the spiral painted on it. They go to this truck, which is at the location where Fitch killed that kid. They open up the truck and a dead pig falls out of it. Not a cop, an actual like animal pig. On the dashboard is another package that has Fitch's fingers in it. Yikes. Yikes. R.I.P. I guess. Rest in piss. (laughs) I do want to just like quickly mention that we've been through Zeke's whole story now, but we do get flashbacks throughout the movie. And at one point around this time in the movie, they show a flashback to a younger Zeke. And I like how in order to show that he's younger, he has a backwards hat on. (laughs) Yeah, backwards baseball hat. Like with his police uniform on. (laughs) It looks so stupid. So dumb. (laughs) I really just want to talk to the costume designer about that i thought the costumes were pretty good overall but what were you thinking are you the same person who put tobin bell in that backwards hat oh my god that's how you show that you're younger <laughs> it's it again it's very how do you do fellow kids it really is just, it was just so funny to me <laughs> But yeah, so then they determined that they have to go after this Benny character because Benny's who they've seen in the surveillance tape and Benny is who Fitch was looking for before he got McFucking kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So in order to find him, Zeke says, hey, we got to go to his dealer. Zeke pretends to be somebody who's looking to buy meth. 
And the freaking dealer lowers like this bucket on a rope to receive payment. <laughs> Zeke puts in like this ink bomb that one would use on like shoplifters and stuff. And he and Shank make their way up into the room. The dealer is eventually apprehended and says, I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him in X amount of days. I also got to say there's a funny moment where Chris Rock is like, you got to get a bigger bucket, man, because he originally tries to offer the meth dealer like an iPad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it won't fit in the bucket. He's like, you got to make it easier on your customers. Yeah. I did enjoy most of the humor that Chris Rock inserted into this movie. I thought most of it really worked. I agree. Yeah. It's so different from just the rest of the franchise, too, that it was a little refreshing. You know what it's a little like, though? Like in the special features, they were trying to say that this is the only Saw film with jokes in it, with humor in it. Yeah. And I gotta say, Saw 1 has a little bit of humor in it, mostly from Adam. I'm thinking this is the most fun I've had without lubricant. I'm thinking about oh. him dying on the cigarette. I'm thinking about him saying that his last girlfriend was a feminist vegan punk and said that he was too angry. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, she's just like me for real. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the tiny bit of levity that it gave it. Yeah. It makes a horror hit more. Agreed. So before we get further into it too, I also want to point out that there's one scene where they're talking about, you know, Jigsaw copycats. And they're actually referred to as disciples of Jigsaw. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because in the last episode, you said that you liked Book of Saw because it made it seem very biblical and the whole spiral yep. behind Chris Rock looked like a halo. So yep. I thought that was interesting. And also, I didn't know at the time that Chris Rock's character was going to be named Ezekiel. Yeah. Which is a very distinctly biblical name. It means like God is strength or something. And mm -hmm. Ezekiel was a prophet who like predicted the destruction of Jerusalem or something and the return of the Jews to the Holy Land, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that kind of fits with the idea of like flushing out the bad cops in the police department and making something better. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm I'm just a little guy. <laughs> but I thought that the like subtle little biblical stuff was like kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. They didn't go too heavy handed with it. Mm hmm. It's just enough to catch my attention. Yeah, it's flavor. Yeah. So after all this, they decide to pay Mr. Pete a visit. Pete being, again, Zeke's former partner. My note here is, oh shit, where's his dad? Oh yeah, because Chris Rock goes to visit his dad a couple of times and he's just not there. Yeah, and calls him a bunch of times and everything. Yeah, Chris Rock at one point tries to go visit his dad because they have like a little dinner date after they have a, an argument and his dad just isn't there. And he texts him a bunch. He goes to his apartment a couple of times and he's just not there. So we don't know what's going on with him. He's just out being a little guy. I also have a note here at this point that says, I kind of think it's Zeke's dad. Ah, it never crossed my mind that it would be Samuel L. Jackson. I thought it was a little too obvious. Mm hmm. But I was like, I don't know. There are a lot of signs that kind of point in that direction. Yeah, I will tell you the exact moment when I figured out who it was. I'm excited to hear. 
That comes in a bit, though. So, yeah, so they go visit Peter, and you can see that he's just a fucking asshole mm-hmm. still. And he offers up no help because, you know, they, they suspect him. Here's something also that confused me. The reason he goes to see Peter is because they ask Zeke, hey, do you have any, like, enemies who would be doing this to you? But I don't, like, really understand that because the people who were targeted weren't... They were his enemies. Or, well, his one friend and enemies. Yeah, so why would his enemies be, like, going after him? I don't know. Yeah, there were a couple of things that felt, like, a little bit off. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought the writing was pretty solid. I think it probably could have used, like, one more pass through the editing room. Yeah. There was also one moment where somebody says, John Kramer didn't target cops. I must say, yes, he fucking did. Yeah, he did. Yes, he fucking did target cops. He targeted uh, fucking Eric Matthews. Yeah. And Amanda targeted Carrie. Mark targeted, well, he's FBI, but still, he targeted Peter and Erickson and Perez. Probably, like, specifically John only targeted Eric, so I think they were mostly like, oh, like, he didn't make it a point to specifically target cops for a whole thing. Yeah, I just felt like... Like, come on, (laughs) don't lie to me. Yeah, I had that same reaction. (laughs) So it's like the next day and Zeke calls up Shank because Shank just hasn't shown up for work that day. And they receive another package at the precinct because they're all these packages with fucking clues and fingers and shit are being delivered directly to the precinct. And this is a bigger one. So it's not like the other one. So they actually tell everyone to evacuate in case it's a bomb, which is wild. So Zeke is like about to open it up with Garza and O'Neill or O'Reilly. I think it's O'Neill. Somebody. Another detective who was originally supposed to take on the case, but then Zeke took over. Yeah. It's like this fucking baby-sized doll thing made of human skin with like a pig mask. Yep. It's creepy as hell. It is very creepy. And Chris Rock turns it over after reading a note that's like, am I getting under your skin, detective? While you are off waiting for more bodies to drop, I will take out your head. He's like, under my skin. And he picks up the doll and turns it over. And he sees that the back of his skin puppet has a tattoo that Shank had of his son's name, Charlie. Wild. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. I know. They also pull out this bottle of like model paint from the doll. And they go to this butcher shop that used to be a hobby shop specifically for model trains. And Zeke is like, my dad used to take me here a lot, which I guess he was into trains. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they find just hanging in the back, a completely skinned shank. And this is the point where I determined who the killer was. Really? Yeah. This actually threw me off. No, this is the part where I got it. But my notes here are in all caps, oh shit, not shank's arm skin. And then like five (laughs) exclamation points. And then what the fuck? He was fully skinned? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, times like three. Yep. Which is wild. It was like crazy to look at. It real. it's fucked up. It's real fucked up. So back at the station, Zeke gets called to a scene where a police officer has been stabbed by somebody in a pig mask on the street. Oh yeah, so he wasn't at the station. He was out and about. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which I think is worth noting. And meanwhile, Garza, the chief of police, 
she gets a text from Zeke's dad saying that he has a lead on this and to come to the cold case room in the basement. When Zeke gets to the scene where the officer has been stabbed in the arm, he just was stabbed and the guy ran away. He thinks back to the letter where he said, while you're waiting for more bodies to drop, I will take your head. And he immediately realizes that this is a distraction so that Mr. Spiral can get the chief of police. The head of the department. Yep. And uh, <laughs> he certainly does. Yep. She goes down to cold case and somebody in a pig mask tosses a smoke grenade at her. And she wakes up tied to a table. I call this stick your neck out. Ooh. So the trap is boiling wax will pour over her face and suffocate her unless she severs her spinal cord with this like blade that is just below her neck. Ugh, this one was rough. This is one of the more fucked up ones. Yeah, so again, with the traps in this one being very poetic, we have the first one because the guy would always like testify a bunch of bullshit. So tongue ripped out. Fitch always had his finger on the trigger, ripped his fingers off. And this was, she would always cover things up. So she had a cover on her face uh, Mm. for this whole thing. And she never stuck her neck out for anybody who was innocent. So she had to sever a spinal cord at her neck. Yep. She can't do it though. She just does not. She doesn't even try, it seems. It looks like she tries a little bit, but not hard enough. It's it's, it's very hard to watch. I don't even know if I would be able to physically do that. Yeah. I would kind of like try and raise my hand and be like, I have a question about the trap. Yeah. (laughs) How? Yeah, right? Do I have to like jam my neck down onto it? Will that do it? Will that just hurt? So this one was like hard to watch. And at this point, my note was no way this isn't a cop who's doing all this. Yeah, because they have access to the evidence room. Yeah. Well, it's a cold case, which was behind this whole fucking like combination <laughs> lock door. That feels really weird. It feels very dangerous. Yeah. Like, what if that shit just closes up on you? <laughs> so Chris Rock finds her body. He's like, oh, no. And then he goes to the surveillance footage of the cold case room and sees that there have been 13 minutes ripped out of it. Damn. He looks at who has access to the surveillance footage and who is like logged in that day. And one of the people is Peter Dunleavy, his former partner. And Zeke is like, it must be him. He's doing this to like get back at me because he went to prison for 10 years because of me testifying against him. Mm-hmm. And O'Brien outright accuses Zeke's dad. Yeah. He's like, you know who else has access to this? Your dad. The model train paint that you said that your dad used to take you there all the time. Fitch, your dad like beat him up that one time. It all points to him except for the first murder, which pretty distinctly does not. But it it's all him. So pause real quick because this part confused the shit out of me. Yeah. Like my last job, immediately after I quit, they took all of my access away. Yeah. Deleted all my accounts. They changed all the passwords. They canceled my company credit card. They fucking wiped all trace of me. You're telling me that that little private equity firm I worked for did all that. And yet the fucking cops of Metro PD didn't rescind access for fucking Samuel L. Jackson, who is no longer on the force, or Peter Dunleavy, who got kicked off the force after fucking killing somebody. Yeah. You're telling me they still have access to this shit? What I think it might be is I think Dunleavy's login might be the killer, like, changed their login to Dunleavy. 
I'm making shit up right now, but that's what I think. Because even if that were the case, like my first thought would be that makes no fucking sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it does successfully disguise who did it. Yeah. But I don't know. It is a very weird plot point. I think that the, maybe the writers didn't know how to get us to Dunleavy at this point. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, this does set Zeke on the path to find Dunleavy. And he goes to the church where Peter's like living in the basement. And oh my God, he gets kidnapped by somebody in a pig mask. Oh no. Oh no. Cut to Zeke waking up with his arm shackled to this like pipe, reminiscent of like the first movie, but it's his hand this time and not his ankle. And we see a saw. I wasn't sure if we were going to see one. Me neither. And I was I was wondering if that was going to be like something we could see in the trivia that this mm-hmm. is the first, you know, saw movie. I use that term loosely in this case. <laughs> In which we don't see a saw, but we do see a saw. Yep. At one hour, nine minutes and 58 seconds, we see a saw. We did it. I thought this moment was very cool. Yes. Because Zeke, he tries sawing the cuffs and that doesn't work. And he kind of like puts the saw up to his arm and thinks about it. And then he sees on the floor that there's a bobby pin. And he actually manages to use the saw to grab the bobby pin and he picks his lock successfully. I was like, wow, amazing job, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that bobby pin was left there on purpose? It had to be. Had to have been, yeah. Which, you know, dampens it a little bit, but I I still think it was a cool moment. I agree. And so also in this room with him is some person sort of hanging from the ceiling, but also standing on this platform, chains wrapped around their arms and torsos and shit, just like, they're real stuck in this position. So Zeke removes the thing covering that person's face, and it turns out that it's Peter. He wakes Peter up, and Peter's like, oh god, like, what are you doing to me? Whatever, because that's always people's first thought, is that the person in here is, is who's doing this to me. This is probably the most reasonable what are you doing to me. I agree. In the franchise. There's beef there. Mm-hmm. And he's not, like, chained up or anything right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so there is a tape recorder hanging from Peter and we hear a tape play and it basically says that, oh, what does it say? Yeah, it says like, are you going to save him or are you going to lock him up and throw away the key? Then a siren starts and this like conveyor belt starts moving glass bottles into like an industrial shredder and this like machine starts firing broken glass at Pete. Pretty cool looking, to be honest. Honestly, yeah. This is the most elaborate trap, probably. Mm-hmm. It was just neat. And it's not like the entire time either. There are like intervals where like, here's a bunch of glass. Then we're going to stop for a minute. And then here's more glass. So Zeke initially tries picking the lock. And then he's like, oh, wait, throw away the key. And he looks at a trash can in the room that we haven't really seen before this point. <laughs> And he dumps it over and the key is in there. But he's too late. Pete is dead. Damn, R.I.P. Pete. R.I.P. Death by a thousand cuts. Rest in Pete's. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the part. It goes, am I going through my notes? I told you when I saw the skinned body, I was like, I think I know who it is. But mm-hmm. this is when I actually wrote it down because I'm like, oh, I didn't write this down, but I want to write it down before the reveal because I know it's about to happen. <laughs> so I wrote it down. I think Shank is alive and that Benny's body was the one that was skinned. Wow, you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't know what Shank's motive would be. But then, oh my God, we get to the next room and there's Shank. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, oh shit, Pete killed Shank's dad. That's his motive. Kazik is like, oh my God, how could you have done all this? You know, like you're killing cops and whatever. Shank is like, oh, you know, because everyone has stabbed you in the back and whatever, but I've been loyal to you. I've been loyal to you for 15 years. It's like 15 years. You just met you 10 minutes ago in the movie. (laughs) But no, it turns out that Charlie Emerson, the man who Peter shot, was Shank's dad. So Shank is a fake name. His real name is something Emerson. And so the Charlie tattoo he has is not because he has a son named Charlie. He does not have a family. It's because Charlie is his father's name. And so we see, you know, back in time, after Peter had shot his dad, Zeke sees, um, is his real name William? Yeah, I think his real first name is William. Yeah, so Zeke sees William, like little baby William, not baby, he's he's young though, mm-hmm. hiding in a room and, you know, gives him like the finger to the lips, shh, kind of thing to keep him safe. And so Shank heard about Zeke obviously like reporting this and everything that has happened since then. And so he's been loyal to him this whole time. Wild. Yeah. I really liked this though. I thought it was a good twist. Yeah. Well, not really a twist, but a reveal. Yeah. One thing I do want to say is that this version of Hello Zep is not my favorite. It kind of sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One thing is that in the next room, Shank has Zeke's dad strung up in a trap because he kidnapped him. But what I thought was cool is that there was a moment early on in the movie where Shank is like, ah, shit, my phone died. Can I borrow your phone for a second? I want to like call my wife. My wife. And so... And so he goes out into the hallway, it turns out, and texts Zeke's dad. And is like, I have a lead on the case. Meet me at the old soap factory. Yeah. (laughs) That's how he lured him out there to kidnap him. So that's where he's been for like three days. Damn. Shank offers Zeke partnership. He's like, you know, join me and we can rule the galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you target the cops and I'll take him out. And I'm like... I think that Chris Rock should take this deal. Honestly? (laughs) What has this department ever done for him? Right? Also, he says, you know, John Kramer was right about the spiral, the symbol of change, renewal, cycles. I'm like, was that what the spiral was about the whole time? I thought it was just kind of cool. It's just aesthetics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But okay, I'll, I'll buy it. I will buy it for this movie. Yeah, right? So Zeke actually takes the partnership very tentatively. And he's like, where is my dad? So they go to the next room and Samuel Jackson is like tied up, like suspended in midair. He's got all these IVs coming out of him and they're just like dripping blood into these mason jars. Shank is like, so your dad's bleeding out. He's probably got about three minutes before he loses all of his blood. Crazy, right? Anyway. (laughs) Also, Shank calls the police and he's like, dude, there's a crazy guy with a gun here. And he fires off like four shots and... (laughs) He's like, all right, we got a limited amount of time before the SWAT team comes. Yeah, I like how it's like, come to the soap factory where this crazy shooter is. And it's like, bro, what are you doing at this abandoned soap factory? (laughs) Yeah. Shank says that Zeke failed his test with Pete because he wasn't supposed to save Pete. But he totally can save his dad. There is one bullet left in this revolver because it's actually Zeke's dad's revolver. He took one shot at Shank, and then Shank just wasted four bullets. That means there's one bullet left in the six-chamber gun. And he's like, you can totally use it to shoot me, but your dad will die. So if you go and shoot this cool target, though, with the spiral on it, it'll release your dad. It's up to you, though. I don't know. Also, the SWAT team sounds like it's here. 
Yes. Yeah, so, and so we we get into this whole thing as to, you know, why Zeke's dad is in this trap. And it's because basically all this corrupt shit that happened happened while he was chief under Article 8. Do you understand what Article 8 was? No. They do not explain <laughs> that properly. They do not. The gist of it, I think, is that it let cops fucking run wild. Yeah, it's just like, you know, total police state and cops did whatever the fuck they wanted to do without like any repercussions. I guess just enacting martial law for no reason in this one city. Apparently. Mm. So Zeke does shoot the target and free his dad. I gotta say, though... Nicole, do you believe that Samuel Jackson would live through this at this point if he only had like three minutes left or like less than that before he was drained of all of his blood? God, no. So like, okay, I donate blood on the reg, right? And like, Mm -hmm. I'm good after donating. But I've seen some people get a little woozy after donating. And we donate what, like a pint at a time? Yeah, one tenth of our blood. Yeah, and so three minutes and he would have been drained of, what, the gallon and a half of blood or whatever. So I I don't know how this works. Like, I just work here, but I don't think anyone would survive that much. Like, I don't care if there's still a single pint of blood left in you. I think you'd be dead. Honestly, yeah. I mean, he doesn't seem to be in the best shape, but I don't even think he would be conscious at this point. Oh, absolutely not. Like, people have passed out from regular blood donations or when they go get their blood tested at, like, a lab. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me that this man is still conscious after, like, (laughs) losing this much fucking blood? I don't believe it. Yeah, even if he's Sam Jackson. So during this scene, Zeke's dad is like, just end this. Like, I don't care if I die, just get him. Mm-hmm. But Zeke actually does use his one bullet to free his dad, who drops unceremoniously to Ugh, the floor. <laughs> unfortunate. And so Zeke and Shank start to have a fist fight in the next room. It's like in an elevator. Yeah, in an elevator. And the SWAT team has arrived, and they're starting to cut through the door with a saw. Oh, there was another saw. Ah. I didn't see what time it was at. Damn it. I thought it was like with a with like a torch and shit. No, there was distinctly a saw because it cuts a wire ah oh right 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 yeah oh we did see it though we got the first saw yeah so the SWAT team is cutting through the door and they cut this wire and the wire starts a mechanism that like raises Zeke's dad up like a marionette so creepy so creepy really good really good the SWAT team kicks down the door they're pointing guns at Zeke's dad and they're like get on the ground And Zeke rushes out and he's like, wait, and they're like, get on the ground. And the final bit of the mechanism starts where it like pops out what looks like a shotgun from like behind one of Zeke's dad's arms and then raises his arm to look like he's about to shoot the SWAT team. And the SWAT team mows him down. My note here was, oh shit, they shot the fuck out of him. They really did. Damn, like that's excessive. Yep. They fire dozens of rounds into this man. Yep. Like each. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Real Bonnie and Clyde situation here. It's wild. And meanwhile, Shank gets away. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. He like goes down the elevator and he's like, see ya. Right. And and Zeke is just watching his dad get shot to death. <laughs> Jesus. My firing squad. Kind of a cool ending. I'm glad that Shank got away. But see, like, I really enjoyed this movie. And so I'm like 
they can't not give us more of like Shank and stuff. Yeah, I wish that they would incorporate him into a future movie in some way. I know it's not going to be in Saw 10, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but I liked his character. I liked his performance. Yeah. If we never see him again, I'm just going to assume that from here he skips town and he's like, oh, yeah, "Eh, I did what I wanted. Yeah, I said I did what I set out to do. Then he just kind of lives a happy life after that because he didn't use his real name at the police station, which I must ask, the police do background checks and there are social security numbers and things. How? Why? I guess it doesn't matter. Who knows? So that's the movie. (laughs) That's the movie. Nicole, you got any fun facts? Yeah, let me look up some more fun facts because there there are like several for this movie. Nice. Also, I must say that this movie has a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it deserves higher. Yeah, which is higher than Jigsaw. It deserves a lot higher. I thought this movie is kind of cool. Even like divorced from the Saw franchise. I feel like if they didn't put Saw on this movie, people would be more into it or critics would be like less harsh on it. Fully agree. Yeah, it's it's just branding. Mm-hmm. Critics said it ultimately falls short of giving Saw the major boost it needed to regain relevance. Yeah. So it's like, no, don't make it a Saw movie. Yeah. Anyway. Here's a funny one. So there's one point where Zeke has like a very emotional outburst at the police station. And so after that, Chris Rock looked into the camera and said, lest anyone forget, I was in Pootie Tang, so I have range. What is Pootie Tang? Oh, Pootie Tang's a... Uh, I've never actually watched it, but it's just, it's it's a movie. When is it from? 2001. Jesus. All right. Well, if Chris Rock kidnaps us, we can watch Booty Tang. Well, I mean, if we do get kidnapped, it would be a punishment because it was directed by Louis C.K. Ooh, rough, rough stuff. Written and directed by Louis C.K. Mm. Adapted from a comedy sketch that first appeared on the Chris Rock show. Okay. Well, that's where I had initially heard it. I didn't realize that it was also a Louis C.K. movie. That's fun. Nicole, do you think somebody has put a montage of moments from Spiral and put in the Everybody Hates Chris stinger? I'm sure. No, actually, maybe not. Because I could see like him, him with the, the SWAT team guns pointing at him and then shooting down his dad and then just everybody <laughs> hates Chris. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunate (laughs) oh so another fun fact is that when they set up their big crime board and stuff one of the pictures on there was of abby tate who was a victim of the nerve gas house from saw 2 oh i thought there was one guy on there who looked familiar but i like couldn't place him Mm -hmm. that's cool that it's abby another thing is that the prosthetic fingers that were used for the finger trap Darren Lynn Bowsman actually kept those prosthetic fingers <laughs> and they were discovered in a bag at the airport. And so he had to explain to customs why he had fingers <laughs> in his bag. Oh, no. <sighs> this movie is like very fun. Like the casting was very fun on purpose. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we have Chris Rock, we have Samuel L. Jackson. And then the meth dealer is played by a magician named Chris Ramsey, whose YouTube oh. videos helped teach Darren Lynn Bowsman magic tricks. Oh, that's so fun i thought that guy looked familiar i like chris ramsey i think that he does some some fun stuff so that's that's so fun like i feel like this is definitely like let's get our friends together and make a saw movie yeah this really does have an all-star cast i i really enjoyed it in that regard we also should say that max manella is detective william shank he does a fantastic job. He's in Handman's Tale, I believe. He was also in mm-hmm. Social Network in a minor role. He was great. He was great. I liked him a lot in this. 
I also gotta say this is probably the Saw movie with the most physically attractive cast. Because a lot of times Saw, I mean, Saw casts attractive people, but like they're kind of plain attractive. And most of these people are like Hollywood attractive. Mm-hmm. Where like I see Detective Shank and I'm like, oh, I know you're a famous person because you're very pretty. Yeah. Also, Marisol Nichols is a total babe. Yep. Just a different type of, of attractive. Mm-hmm. This fun fact here is why I determined that Shank was the killer. Mm-hmm. Because he's the only victim whose trap is not explained via a full playback of the killer's tape. Yeah. It's switched off before it gets to that point. And his death is not shown in a flashback. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, there. I guess there are no official plans for a sequel, but Darren Lynn Bowsman and Max Minghella, they've talked a lot about his character and where they could go with him and the story. I really want to see him again. I really liked him. I agree. Even if they like divorced it from the Saw franchise, I would be interested. Mm-hmm. If they made like Swirl 2. Right? <laughs> Swirl. <laughs> so when Darren Lynn Bowsman asked Samuel L. Jackson why he agreed to play a character in a Saw film, he responded with, if there's an interesting death, I'll do it. And this is an interesting death. Nice. There was one line that in the special features they admitted was written for Samuel L. Jackson to say. And when I heard it the first time, I was like, okay, they're having fun with the fact that it's Samuel L. Jackson here, where he walks into the soap factory with his gun drawn. He's like, all right, you want to play a game, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> Let's play a game. And it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> that was written for him. This is also the third film in the series where the phrase game over is not used. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. But yeah, do you think that a copycat killer would know that John Kramer always said game over to certain people? Because none of those crime scenes were ever really found, I don't think. Yeah, that and also like, how would they know what he said? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess witness testimony, but who survives the few movies that (laughs) that most movies that that set in? Yeah, exactly. It was revealed in an interview that while viewers figured out that Shank was the killer shortly after he was introduced, the true (laughs) twist was why he was targeting cops. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would like to say this is the only Saw movie without Tobin Bell. Bowsman explained that the film's killer is a Jigsaw copycat, and that's why he didn't want to recast Tobin Bell. Bowsman said that since Jigsaw was killed off in the third film, Bowsman felt that previous films did a disservice by using flashbacks to bring Jigsaw into the story, and he did not want to repeat the same mistake in Spiral, nor to disrespect Bell's iconic performance. Bowsman considered having Bell sing a Johnny Cash cover during the end sequence. Bell recorded the cover, but Bowsman dropped the idea as too gimmicky. I want to hear. I want to hear it. Was it hurt? Oh my god. (laughs) Or do we get to hear Tobin Bell sing like Ring of Fire? Oh, Swirling Ring of Fire. Oh. I really want to know. Nicole, let's talk about the traps. Pretty trap light movie. Yes. But not in a way that I disliked. So first we got Tongue Vice. What do you think? I thought this kind of ruled. Yeah. Honestly, it's like kind of up there for traps. Yeah. I also really liked the finger trap too. Finger trap with the rising water. (sighs) Finger Trap with the Rising Water, I felt a little less good on. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, could that really yank off your fingers? Yeah, right. Also, did Fish try like pushing into the Chinese Finger Trap and then pulling out? I think he could probably get out that way. Right, or just like, you know, bite down on. Oh no, because he had the the thing on his face, so never mind. Oh, true, true, true. Still pretty cool. Yeah. I like that these had timing elements, but it wasn't just like a straight up clock that at 
the end of an arbitrary amount of time, it will kill you. Yeah. The Wax Suffocation. Stick your neck out. Oof, this one was hard to watch. I liked this one, but also I was like, how is she supposed to sever her spinal cord? Agreed. It's not the strongest one here. Mm-hmm. I think it could have used some refinement, but I still thought it was it was pretty cool. Agreed. And then we have the Glass Wood Chipper. Okay. I liked this one. I did like it. I just felt like after the other three being like, you have to do this yourself. I felt one being like, oh, Zeke has to do it for you. Yeah. It brought back the exhaustion of some of the past saw traps where it's like, you have to decide their fate. Yeah. But at the same time, this is like, I don't know, it's kind of personal. So it kind of goes back to like saw three. Mm-hmm. So I'm back and forth on it. It's not my favorite. I feel like a lot of these in general across all the movies can be classified as like traps or tests. And this one's a test. It's not a trap. Yeah, agreed. And then we have blood drain target practice. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> the trap itself. I didn't care for, but at the end when he was strung up like a puppet and raised uh, arm, that kind of fucking ruled. <laughs> that did rule. If we're counting that as part of it, then yeah, it's it's pretty good. I'm going to count it as part of it. Okay, the Bates idea is kind of whatever, but the rest of it, the execution is great. 100%. If we're going to rank these now, mm-hmm. can we both agree that Tongue Vice is number one? Tongue Vice is one. Hell yeah. I think that for me, the wax suffocation is number two. Oh, finger trap's going to be number two for me. That's my number three. Yeah, my three is going to be the wax waterboarding suffocation thing. I think my four is probably the marionette, the the bloody marionette. Yeah. (laughs) Which leaves glass at number five, but there is no shame in being number five in this movie. Agreed. I think this has the best overall traps in the franchise. Also- I lied. I'm going to put wax waterboarding at four for me and blood drain target practice at three because that ending fucking ruled. It did. It did. Very cool. And Nicole, what is our kill count at? Oh boy. For the last film in the franchise so far. All right. So we ended at 78 in the last movie. And so let's go through all the deaths here. So RIP Detective Boswick, Detective Fitch, RIP Benny. Oh, Benny. R.I.P. Chief Garza, R.I.P. Peter, and then Marcus. Marcus Banks, yeah. So it's six. Yeah, that's everyone, right? I believe this is tied for Saul 1 for our lowest kill count. Oh, shit. Which kind of fits because I felt that this was kind of reminiscent of the original Saw in a way. Oh, no, no, no. It's second to lowest kill count because Saw 1 only has one, two, three, four, five deaths. Oh, I'm sorry. I saw question mark and guy and for some Uh, reason thought those were two different. Hey, not bad. So that puts our total, let's see, it's 78, 9, 81, 2, 3, 4, 84 people. 84 kills across nine movies. That's a little more than nine kills per movie. Wild. Wow. Nicole, do you think you would survive this movie? Um, no. (laughs) No, God, no. I don't think so. I think this is the first one where we're like, absolutely no chance. Yeah, no way. Let's be real. Yes, Shank did give them a way to save themselves, but these traps are designed to kill them. Yeah. They're like Amanda traps if you could win an Amanda trap. 
Yeah, and like win at what cost? Because like I'm thinking, especially with the wax suffocation one, it says mm-hmm. you will not walk away from this, but you could survive. Because yeah, she wouldn't be able to walk after that. So it's like, I wouldn't be able to fucking survive this movie. Yeah, it's it, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's brutal. I feel like the tamest of all is probably the blood drain one. Yeah. And even then, it's like, again... I don't think you can lose that much blood without losing consciousness at some point. And also, it's not up to you. Yeah. Same thing with the glass wood chipper. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the twist? I liked the twist. Like, I mean, I called it being Shank, but I wasn't sure what his motives were. And then to find out that he was Charlie Emerson's son and saw his father get killed, I thought it kind of ruled. I feel like the other Jigsaw copycats, like their reason for doing it has been kind of a stretch. Like Amanda's was fine. Mark Hoffman definitely was stupid. He just liked killing people. (laughs) Yeah. And then we had Dr. Gordon and it's like, okay, like you're freelancing now. Sure. (laughs) So I feel like Shank was the most justified. (laughs) Yes. More so than even John, honestly. Yeah. These people genuinely like are doing bad things and wronged him personally. Yeah. Oh, wait, I forgot about the other guy, too. (laughs) The guy from the last movie. Oh, yeah. Logan Nelson. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, I still don't quite get his deal. Yeah, so I think that Shank is the most justified of all our jigsaws slash copycats. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing to be able to guess the twist. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that to me says that you have written a film that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are a couple of Saw films where it's like, whoa, we didn't see that twist coming because it makes no fucking sense. And then the next movie would be explaining the twist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Saw 4. Yeah, right? <laughs> I didn't want to name names, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of leads into our other point. How does William Shank live up to the legacy of Jigsaw? I know that he is not directly a disciple. He's like kind of a fanboy. Mm-hmm. But do you think that John would approve? Uh, yes. 100%. I feel like John would even be salty because he's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a better Jigsaw than John. Yeah. Good job. I want to see more of him. Yeah. Like, I really, really hope we see more of him. I do, too. I knew I enjoyed this movie, but now that we've talked about it, like, I really liked this movie. This is going to be up there for me. It's really good. Nicole, who deserved to be here the most? (laughs) All of them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically everybody. I'm going to say Peter Dunleavy was a huge bastard. Between him and Fitch... I know Fitch has done some shit. I'm going to say former chief of police Marcus Banks. Oh, right. He was in there too. He let all this shit happen. He did let all this shit happen. Also, I'm wondering, did we ever find out who the cop was who pushed that person off the roof? No. I have a feeling it's Fitch. That would make sense. Right? I feel like that would work like narratively. It could be any of them, to be honest. That's true. I just think it's like, I think he in particular seemed real salty about the fact that Peter was turned in. Mm, Yeah. So I think it would make sense for him to have been the guy who pushed the guy off the roof. That makes sense. Peter goes out there to kill his witness and then Peter gets reported. Yeah, that's going to be my headcanon. Yeah, makes sense to me. And who deserved to be here the least? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Let's see, who are the other two? Is Boswick? I'm going to say, oh no, because Benny was a bastard too. Yeah. Because Benny did some shit. I don't know, I guess Boswick? Uh... 
it, this one's hard. They all sucked. Yeah, I'm gonna say Boswick because despite lying under oath a ton of times or being accused of it at least, he was like the only person to stand by Zeke after turning in Pete. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe also Chief Garza. Well, I mean, she was right there with Marcus doing all this shit. So yeah, that's why they were like, how do you think she got her own precinct at 35? She was in on it. Yeah, I mean, kind of slim pickings. Yeah, not a great crowd here. Honestly, feels pretty good. All I'm saying is that our boy Shank Pretty justified. Kind of based. Yeah. (laughs) Woke spiral. (laughs) Here's an interesting question for this final movie. How useless were the police? Uh, (laughs) Um. Because the police are also our only victims here besides Benny. Sorry, Benny. I feel like they were useless because they did fall for a lot of bullshit. Like one of them getting stabbed and people are like, oh God, like one of ours got stabbed. And so everyone is out of the precinct and that allowed Garza to get wax suffocated waterboarded. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they were just so far up their own asses that they screwed themselves. Yeah, I have to agree. And none of them at all suspected Shank. Yeah. Didn't they do DNA testing on the body? Maybe. Like, wouldn't they have done an autopsy or something and have been like, because they had no confirmation that that was Shank. Yeah. The only thing they had to go off of was that the body was skinned and then also a bit of his skin was sent to them. Yeah. But that could have been, I mean, like, if I was a serial killer person and I was cuckoo bananas, I'd probably, you know, shave off a layer of skin to throw someone off my trail. I thought that might have been what Shank did, which I would have been like, that's, that's. Kind of badass. That's what I thought too. And it just made me think of Saw 2 when the fucking wild guy cut the bit of skin (laughs) off from behind his neck. It was giving me that. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed when that wasn't the case, but because that's what I thought had happened. Yeah. I do like that I tattooed him and just gave you that skin. Yeah. But also, damn, he's a tattoo artist too. A man of many talents. Yeah. Right. It looks really good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... Do you want to do predictions for Saw 10? Not really. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of want to go into this as fresh as possible. Yeah, I think the only prediction I can even make really is that Dr. Nelson will show up from the last movie and we'll be like, oh, yeah, he's been here the whole time. He has to, especially because it goes back. Like, it has to show that. Yeah, so I think that's probably the only thing. Yeah, if they do that and they pull a Mark with it, I will believe it. Mm-hmm. Do you think Mark is going to be in it? Ooh, I kind of hope so. Do you think this is going to be like a little sitcom where we got like the little Jigsaw family? Oh my God, we're going to have like a laugh track and everything. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I want to know as little about this movie as possible. Yep, I'm a little sad that I know that it's between Saw 1 and 3, but also like why else? else would Shawnee Smith and Tobin Bell be back? Well, Tobin Bell, he's back for almost everyone. Yeah. But Shawnee Smith in particular, they only bring her back when they're exploring Amanda era. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see her again. So excited. I've missed her. Right? She was great. We got a taste of her in six, but not enough. So it's really been since like three that we've seen her. Damn. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to see our girl again. I'm ready too. I'm so excited. Me too. Nicole, that's it. That's it. We saw all nine movies. We did it. Okay. Wait. <sighs> Nicole. Oh, I cracked something there. 
Okay. He's standing. Could you get up this whole time? <laughs> yeah, I could. Nicole, did you put me in here? <laughs> did you kidnap me? Well, how else was I going to get you to watch all the movies? I'm never going to get kidnapped. I'm far too <laughs> vigilant. <laughs> it's a jigsaw tradition to sit in your own trap. Why did you pretend to be stuck in here with me for like nine weeks? Why didn't you just tell me it was you? I've been telling you the whole time. But I just work here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just work here. <laughs> I don't know biology. I just work here. I just work here. But whatever. I just work here. I just work here. But whatever. I just work but here. But what do I know? I just work here. I just work here. But... But, but we're best friends. We've known each other for 10 years. We host a podcast together. I know, and you've always been such a good friend. So nice to me. When people are nice to me, I'm gonna do some shit to them. Didn't this change your perspective on things? Aren't you so ready to go back to a simple romance novel now? Most people are so ungrateful to read a romance novel. Let me tell you, after reading a year's worth of romance novels, I was so excited to watch a horror movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah, totally. I I will not take those books for granted ever again. This is the part where you let me go now, right? Nicole? Nicole? Game over. Nicole! 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 Yeah? Can you leave the light on? I'm afraid of the dark. Oh, yeah, sure. Nicole? Claudia? Are we still going to see Saw 10 next week? Oh, yeah, I already got tickets. Okay, cool. Game over, Claudia. Game over, Nicole.